If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. All right, I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and I'll, I'll be speaking a little bit today about the, the closing out of this series with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I want to begin with my guest, Mark Knudsen, uh, good friend through media and, and all kinds of different things we've done. Of course, former Colorado Rockies pitcher, major league pitcher, and... Uh, the, I found man, out something last night. What's that? I got knocked out of the record book in the first inning. I heard. I, well, I wasn't necessarily going to bring it up, but why not you tell I was us? told about it last night. I didn't remember any of that. That whole mess was a blur to me. <laughs> but it's nice to be out of, the, out of the bad part of the record book. Yeah, you don't always want to get knocked out of yeah. the record books, yeah. but this is one maybe you didn't mind. Yeah, so I might have been the first one in the record book, right? Because mine was 93. Estevez yeah. was later. There were several of us in that category. Right. So. Yeah, Trailblazer. I was. <laughs> Little did we know, right? You know, and I think the last time I actually sat down with you on, on this podcast was in the NLDS, or leading right up yep. to, and we were talking about how great a season right. a right. lot of these same guys had just had, and the way they were starting to look like figure out this whole course Field debacle, mm-hmm. and, and um, so I guess big picture, Mark, what in the world happened? Well, I don't think one thing happened. I think it's a combination of a lot of factors, and, and I'll get to the most important one last, but... I think there's been changes in the baseball. Um, I've talked to several of the pitchers on both on different visiting teams too, and there's kind of a uniform um, ideal that the balls are not just different, but different in an, in an inconsistent. They kept using the word inconsistent way, um, contributing to the blister issues. 
Um, they're slick. They're hard. My day, we played youth baseball with diamond baseballs. They're mm-hmm. like little marbles with big seams. Well, these don't have any seams, but they're also little marbles. And I think I think the ball has a factor. Is a factor. I think it. Uh, it, uh, I mean, it's such a touch thing for pitchers just to feel it, get that little extra on a ball. Maybe you're squeezing the ball a little harder at one spot and, and you get, start to get the blister or you have to change your grip for something. So I think the baseball is definitely a factor because you see that all over baseball, not just at Coors Field, you've seen it everywhere. Right. So that's part of it. I think a bigger part of it is the defense, especially in the outfield, has been hideous. Yeah. And it's not just the errors. It's just hideous. Um, when they let go of Carlos Gonzalez and Gerardo Parra, they lost their two best defensive outfits. Those guys weren't hitting, right? They weren't producing at the plate. That whole year last year was dominated by nobody hitting the ball. Worst offensive year in, in right. team history. As all some people could talk right. about was that they couldn't right. hit. But so they went the other direction. Yeah. And they get rid of those two gold glove guys in the corner. Blackman's never been a good outfielder. Now he's he's getting worse with age, and his legs are killing him. And he, he you know, so he's and you got Desmond who, who has acknowledged he doesn't know how to play that position. Uh, Dahl's injured, and he wasn't even, he's bounced all over the place. Tappy is not a good defensive outfielder, folks. He's just not. Right. But a lot of balls dropped that he should catch. So I think that's a big part of it. If you st- sit up here where we sit and watch the games, our outfielders are playing. I mean, they can almost reach out and t- shake hands with the fans. They're so deep. Right. That's 200 feet of baseball, of ball, green grass for the ball to drop in, and that's, that's hurting the pitchers. A lot more balls. Thomas Harding, MLB.com, was doing some studies on this. A lot more baseballs are dropping in this year than last year. Right. They're catching more hard-hit balls. Great. There's one hard-hit ball for every three that drop in. I mean, it's not a, an even change. Uh, you get a couple that drop in and a home run, and now it's a three-run homer instead of a solo shot. So, Well, as a pitcher, aren't you saying, because, like, I see this some, some of the times, like, when the ball gets over somebody's head. That's kind of on you. The ball gets right. hit hard. The ball gets they deserve, hit in the gap. They earned it. Eh. They earned it. But, but if I, I get a guy to hit a weak little shallow, the, I, you, you better go get that ball right. for me. Right? And I think, so I think that's really hurt the pitchers. It's hurt their confidence. It's hurt their aggressiveness. And I don't know, many, I don't know if we've had too many, um, uh, necessarily too many guys who've been burned by uh, you know, walks. Walks haven't been a terrible problem. But think about this. This team, when they've gone to the playoffs and when they went to the World Series, had historically great defensive teams. Right. They're not. They're bad. Defensive. Right. Um, losing DJ May, who hurts. Although Ryan McMahon's been pretty good at second base. But it hurts you more at first. Yeah. Because you, now you... And there's you the position right. that's really killing us because Daniel Murphy's no. a poor first baseman defense. He's, Daniel Murphy's a DH that you stick out there at first base. And he's poor at the position. And that hurts. That hurts. People say, well, you don't have that many balls hit to the first baseman. It's not just balls hit to the first baseman. If you watch Todd Helton in his, in his heyday, he's saving a lot of errors from the other infielders with his glove work. Right. And you don't have that now. And I think it's it, because it, Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story want to be the guys that go get make those barehanded plays and make those off-balance throws. And they're not going to be good throws all the time. First baseman has to do something at the other end. Right. It's not getting done now. And so I think um, that's a factor. Biggest factor, obviously, the pitchers themselves haven't pitched well. They, and Bud's talked about, talks about it all the time. I see when I watch, and we're blessed up here because we get to watch the thing, and then we get to watch the replay a few seconds later. Right. A lot of balls down the middle of the plate. Just a lot of balls are right there in the hitting zone. Kyle threw his couple today in the first inning, just right down the middle. Um, you got a kid, Peter Lambert, who's learning on the job. I'll be easy on Peter Lambert. He's going to be a good pitcher. But he was touted, and you were the one who taught me. I mean, he was touted as a control guy. Right. And he comes in his first game in Chicago, throwing 96, and we're like, whoa. That's inched back down to the 92 range. The control's not there. He's not hitting. He's not locating the ball at all. Yeah. He's throwing a lot of balls right over the middle of the plate. And he'll learn that. But I think until they get to the point where they can locate the ball well, not just keep the ball down because you have to move it around. You have to go up, down, in, out, and hard, soft. All yeah. three of those. 
And they, and, and in Kyle Freeland's case, I think the hard soft part is not there yet. He needs to, his changeup needs to improve a lot. Um, some other guys just have to start getting the ball down. And uh, the last part of it is that maybe they just don't have the right pitchers, <laughs> especially in the bullpen. Right. That, 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 well, yeah, I was just going to say, I think especially out there, but staying on the young guys for a minute, there is this concept there has been for a very long time of the sophomore slump. Uh, Marquez and Freeland were really more in their third years, but they, they burst onto the scene less, last yeah, year. Yeah. They really did. And the, the book is when you come in fourth in Cy Young voting, there's a book <laughs> yes. written. How no difficult doubt. can that be for you as a young pitcher when all of a sudden – they're on to you. You hit something right on the nail there because um, familiarity is the hitter's best friend. The more they see you, the more they've watched video of you and faced you, the better, more comfortable they are at the plate. I mean, we saw Peter Lambert against the Cubs. The Cubs hadn't seen Peter Lambert. Mows him down, right? right? You just need, as a pitcher, you need to keep evolving. You need to keep adjusting and improving. And I think um, when Kyle starts to learn to take more off his changeup and locate his changeable, he's given him something more to think about, more to look at. You have to keep coming up with a new wrinkle, really, a new delivery, a new pitch, whatever, um, just to keep the hitters from knowing that book on you inside and out because that is an issue. That's a big issue. Is there are, – are pitchers in a weird spot in the modern game? I was talking to Chris Iannetta, who is now uh, not – Former not, Rocky. Uh, former Rocky, right, but uh, as we all know, a very smart guy mm-hmm. when it comes to the game and particularly to the strike zone and – and how you work these things. And I was talking to him about the, the balls flying out at, at all of these rates. And we were talking a little bit about how the bats are stronger. They don't break anymore. Oh, I've yeah. got a, an article coming out about yep. the role the bats play in yep. all of this. It's not talked That's about sure. enough. But the other thing is he's saying, you know, also there's a lot of guys who learn to throw hard and, and throw wicked stuff. And a lot of hitters with the launch angle. But guys aren't pitching the way they used to. No they're, they're, they're not taught to pitch. And do you think that that'll be the answer to some of this launch angle stuff, that eventually there's going to be a revolution and guys dialing back from 95, yeah. throw 92 talk, and hit the well, edge? When we were, before we got on here, we started talking about hitters who hit into the shift, right. right? who just swing, shift goes on, they take their normal swing and they hit ground out to the right fielder. Right. And I think that's much the same thing you're talking about. The defense adjusted to that. Why guys won't just hit the ball the other way or <laughs> bunt the ball to third base and get, in, get on base? Head scratcher, right? right? So why won't pitchers start to say, well, listen, they want to do launch angle. I better learn to pitch up in the strike zone. I better learn to, th- to, to change speeds better because they can't necessarily launch that ball. Right. I mean, there was a time, and I was in the middle of this, where it was all about getting the ball down, throwing sinkers, having to hit on the ball on the ground. Well, hitters have adjusted to that. Pitchers have to adjust too. So, yes, I think that's a big part of it, um, learning to pitch. Greg Maddox the best example. He said when he'd get in trouble, he wouldn't try to throw harder. He'd try to locate better. And so a lot of this is between the years. A lot of it is figuring what pitch works in what situation. Can I throw the 2-0 change up to get a guy off, it, off balance? So if he takes a bad swing, he's more than likely going to make an out. I mean, you guys in the analytics have broken that all down for me. I'm learning all that. <laughs> right. Keep it off the barrel, right? Right. You keep it off the barrel, you're more than likely going to get a guy out. Sometimes it's going to drop in, especially in this ballpark. But if we could get the outfielders to start playing in when they're supposed to instead of playing with their backs against the fence, it might take away some of those. But nonetheless, um, yes, the, the mental part of it is lacking in a lot of situations, and maybe that's because we're not teaching at the youth level. I'm not sure. So I'm, I, I, I think about to ask you a, a, an unanswerable question that if anybody could answer this, they'd just make all the money being the greatest pitching coach in the history of forever. But sometimes we look at stuff, and, and you've got a better eye for it than I do for sure, and then there are scouts who, but, you know, we're looking at it, and we look at release points. We look at mechanics. If you want to get real technical to try to break down, why is this guy missing right. his spots? Where did his velo go? 
when those things are the same, and I think a lot of us have said this is the weird thing about Kyle Freeland, particularly. I think Marquez, too, at times. You go, I don't see a huge difference with his difference with his release point. Otto, his release point would go all over the place. We go, hey, look, look what's going on here. We yeah. <laughs> pinpoint it. But what do you as a pitcher do when you go, I don't feel any, I'm releasing at the same place. My mechanics all feel the same. Why is the ball going a foot further this way than I want it to? Is that just the most frustrating question? It's extremely and, frustrating, but what, what you have to do is that has to be addressed in between starts or in, in your bullpen, if you're a relief pitcher, in, in a bullpen session. You have to get the feel. You have to try things. You have to be willing to experiment a little bit and try things. I, I have kids who will start to drop their arm a little bit, and I'll say, okay, just envision that you're throwing this ball from directly over your head. Just, and that's obviously impossible to do, but yet they'll try that, and now they'll get their arm slot back to where it's supposed to be. Um, a natural arm angle is when you leave a ball sitting on the ground, you pick it up and throw it. That's your natural arm angle. That has to become your pitching delivery. But Bud uses the term all the time, and it's repeatable. The deep delivery has to be repeatable. If your delivery is consistent and repeatable, those things will more often iron themselves out. Now, that doesn't mean that one day your slider is going to be good and your curveball is going to stink or vice versa. Or you don't have a feel for this, don't have a feel for that. In fact, we, we, we talk about ten, a block of 10 starts that in two of those 10 starts, you're Herman Marquez, you're going to throw a one-hitter in San Francisco. In two of those starts, you're going to be Herman Marquez and come here and get beat 19-2 to two against that by San Francisco. Right. Those middle six starts, when the stuff is either something's working and something's not working, right? It's not, you don't have great unbeatable stuff that day, but you don't have nothing that day. You have something in between. You've got to figure it out. That's where the, between the years has to, you have to come, you have to figure it out. Today, my curveball feels good. I'm going to go with that. Today, my slider is better. Today, I have a, I'm not locating my fastball. Well, I need to take a step back, find my arm slot, start making, making good pitches. So it's an ongoing process. They have to keep doing it over and over again throughout the course of a game and throughout the course of a practice session to get that repeatable delivery. So on the flip side, then, we see with a guy like John Gray, when last year it seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong for him, somehow he came out on the other side of it. He really attacked, I think, in the offseason. I think it's the offseason, right? He showed up to spring training. He looked like a different guy from day one. Cut his hair, too. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know. Uh, so did I. Do you notice? I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have any hair left. Well, yes. yeah, it's all gone. Now. But uh, th- more than those, I mean, physically, is there? You, does your whole body feel different when you go, oh, there it is, and you just yeah. try to stay? Yeah. Um, I used to get in trouble. I had a pitching coach tell me one of my problems was you always kept trying to make a good pitch great. Mm. Just go with the good pitch. It's, it's working. Everything's fine. Just go with it. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. you have to fight that urge. Um, but confidence is huge. It, it's enormous. I was talking to, asked a question at CSU football media day the other day about the CSU defensive st- team and if they could learn how to tackle. <laughs> and the defensive coordinator said, well, they're more confident now. They put on a lot of weight and got stronger in the offseason. They look in the mirror, they see this physique now, and they, now they're more confident. The intent is now to go tackle better. And so I think when you feel good as a pitcher, your intent is to be more aggressive. Um, I mean, if you're a fastball guy, that you, want to, you have to fight the urge sometimes to overthrow it. But you, if you feel good physically, yes, you're going to go out there and with more aggressive mindset and feel better about your stuff. And I always tell my, my pitchers, my high school pitchers, trust your stuff. Trust it. We worked on the bullpen. Just trust your stuff. Throw it. You can't be a different guy between the white lines than you were in the bullpen. You have to be the same guy. And, uh, the guys who can trust their stuff, that confidence thing you're talking about, that takes them a long way. And that can be a, a team-wide thing as well. And no I think question. That, that's something that we've seen here. I, I think I want to close out with you on that, just sort of with the season we've seen. Now, And you and I agree about a lot of the 
actual things that you can measure that are different. Some things they change the defense in particular, right. and they're not pitching as well. But ostensibly, this is very close to the exact same team that won 91 games a year ago. Uh, on paper, anyway. Now, now, I think you make a great point about the, the defense being yeah. different. But, again, that's something that if that's the case, it shouldn't cost you too much to be able to go out and fix something like that. There have been some quotes recently from Nolan Arenado. I think Ryan McMahon maybe had the best one who said, no, we've played poor. We deserve our record with the way we've played, right. but we are better than this. Well, I think they have better baseball players. Yeah. Yes, no question. But I don't think the pieces fit right. I think you've got guys who um, – you got Murphy and Blackman are almost the same guy, right? Um, right. Both probably better suited to be DH than, than playing the field. You got Ian Desmond, the guy without a position. You've got Tapia, who you decided to keep instead of Mike Talkman. Not necessarily looking like a great move right now, right? Yeah. But I think the pieces have to fit. You don't have to necessarily have a, have a great team, have a bunch of have 25 great players. You have to have guys that fit their roles. And I think last year with Parra and Cargo, you had more of that. And DG had more of that. Um, it's still baffling why that team didn't hit last year. We don't know. I mean, like you said, same guys are hitting much better this year. Why didn't they hit last year? I don't know. But um, I think the reaction to last year was to beef up the offense at the expense of the defense, and that's backfired. Yeah. And um, I, I expect some changes. I, I mean, Chris Iannetta being just probably the first right. of several changes we'll see because um, the team that, like I said, looks exactly like last year, you don't want next year's team looking exactly like this year's team. You just right. can't. Uh, have you ever been on one of those teams where you're just baffled? By the middle of the season, like like legitimately, because we, we know you guys all say that you all say the right thing right. when you show up for spring training. We're going to try to win the World Series this right. year, but you know, if the, you know, you're like, look, we're a long shot. We're going to do our best, but we're a long shot. And then you know, there are those years where you're really in it. And I, I truly believe this team showed up to spring training this year, and they thought we, we can win the division. Absolutely. And why why wouldn't they think that? Exactly. And now they're sitting here, 13, 14 yep. games under 500. Uh, have you? What is that like being in a, in a clubhouse like that, where you you know, like, we just didn't get it done. Well, Bud said earlier today that you know someone asked him about the possibility of some divisiveness and some finger pointing and blaming and all. And I don't think that's. And then someone else mentioned something about, um, well, in the same vein, staying together as a team, staying focused as a team. And I think what happens is we all focus on meaningful games in September, right? Meaningful. Well, what's meaningful mean? In a, and you're in it, meaningful means you're trying to win the pennant, right? You're trying to get to the World Series. That doesn't mean these, can't, these, are, these games are more meaningful for individuals because you have now the next six weeks people playing for jobs, right? Right. So it's a different kind of meaningful, but it's still meaningful. They have to go out and perform. And can that cause a little selfishness? Perhaps. But I, I just don't believe, I never believed. And I was around teams, we were out of it, and we had to go out and, and we had to play for jobs. Um, but there should be internal competition. There has to be right. internal competition. So it starts now. Um, you're not going to be in the pl- in the postseason, but you are kind of trying to get a head start on on spring training for next year and put leave this coaching staff with a good impression of who you are. That's why we're all going to wait with bated breath to see who the September call-ups are, right? Right. Because those guys should there should be internal competition for for roster spots and playing time next year, and it should start now. Yeah, and, and like you said, that and that's those have to be the first several steps. I yeah. think, of and that that's where change. the team's at right now. And I never believed much in spoiler. I don't think guys get together and say, "Oh, you yeah. got to keep the Diamondbacks out of the playoffs." You're playing now for your to earn a job for next year. Right. That's what it's all about. And and especially some of these starting pitchers, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're gonna Absolutely have to learn right. what they've got. Do you? Uh, I know I said I don't know, but I do want to get your thoughts on this sure. before I wrap it up. Just going into next year, I think there's a big, huge question mark. Whether it's your fifth guy, your first guy, your whatever it is. But mm-hmm. the four, I mean, it looks like one way or another, your four are going to be right. Gray Marquez, Lambert, Freeland. Right. 
as someone who's pitched, who's watched these guys as much as anybody, who knows this environment, seen the struggles they've been through, and then Gray coming out, maybe free Linda Marquez a little bit. What do you, is that an okay place to be? Yes, in? it is, because you want those guys being ready to be part of your team, but you also want them to look at what John Gray did and say, hey, he bounced back from a bad year, and here's how. And maybe those the other, you know, Freeland and Lambert especially say, hey, let's, let's go let's visit drive with him in the off Let's go up to drive line yeah. and see what we can do. Or, um, you know, Lambert has a lot of ways to always learn a lot. Um, Marquez, I think, it just it's got a more maturity. When he gets more mature between the years, his stuff is awesome. So yeah. I don't think he has to worry about that stuff. But, yes, you want those. And you want that fifth job open. You really do because that's the internal competition we're talking about. You don't want guys coming to spring training thinking they have no chance to make the club. So you want Ryan Castanelli, assuming he comes back from his elbow. I don't know how fast he'll be back. But you want those guys thinking there's a chance. Um, we, I mean, we're all, we're all speculating that we've probably seen the last of Jeff Hoffman in a Rockies yeah. uniform. But there'll be some other guys like Jeff Hoffman coming to spring training competing for a roster spot. Maybe it's Ryan Rolson. Maybe, I mean, he's having a great right. year. He's, he's shot up real fast a couple dra- draft picks from a couple years ago. Right. Drop draft pick. Maybe he's the one. But you've got to dangle that carrot out there for some of those young guys. And there's got to be open positions. It's got to be known before you get to spring training, that their positions are open. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting one. Mark, thank you so much right. for, for trying to dig no through problem. this. It's always a lot of fun. All right. It's time to remind everybody that Breckenridge Brewery is, in fact, the official beer of BSN Denver. You know their vanilla porter. You know their oatmeal stout. And you now know their strawberry sky They're the best beers to be drinking in the summertime while you're still watching baseball because I know you are. Uh, And even as we start getting into the fall, nothing wrong with drinking a few Breck brews as you're getting ready for the hockey season, the uh, basketball season, and I suppose they'll probably play football again this year. What do I know? Uh, (laughs) I assume. But, uh, yeah, get over to BSN Denver and check out the events calendar to see when the next pub crawl is going to be. Make sure you're drinking at Breck Brews with us at all of them. Going to take a quick commercial break here, come back on the other side and talk about the last couple of games for the Rockies between themselves and the uh, Arizona Diamondback fellers. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only... Are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines? You're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Weinster because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. 
Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. All right, welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to jump into these last couple of games here. Obviously, there's not, even with the walk-off win, not a ton to analyze uh, as the Rockies lost on Tuesday evening 3-9 to nine, more or less behind a, a terrible start from Jeff Hoffman who, as Mark mentioned earlier, we may never see pitch in a Rockies uniform again. I, I just, I mean, you never know. I don't know exactly what's going on uh, with him and I, I fully expect that one day in the future he will be a very solid pitcher for the Padres or the Oakland A's or somebody out there, but uh, it was just an absolute nightmare of a game for him. Didn't get any help from C.B. Bucknor, that's for sure. There were some absolutely terrible, just inexcusable missed calls. And actually, he could have been out of that first inning where he gave up five runs uh, quite uh, w with having only given up one. Uh, the Christian Walker home run came after he obviously should have been out already. And the walk before that, he should have been out already but that's also not the reason that Jeff Hoffman was bad he was bad because he's just been bad he can't locate his fastball he hasn't all season uh, he couldn't go to the curveball apparently often enough or with enough confidence to to make some kind of mid-game adjustment and so he just got absolutely rocked and uh, with the Rockies being down 7-1 early, they, they battled back a little bit. They tried to do their thing, but really uh, that game was going to be known for Hoffman's performance and for the Major League debut of Dom Nunez. Patrick and I talked about that a little bit uh, on the most recent podcast and, and what we were looking for to see out of him. He ends up having quite a nice game. Uh, you know, he gets the home run for his first hit. Always pretty cool when you can do that. I think it was only the seventh guy in uh, franchise history to do that of course putting his name in the books alongside the likes of trevor story and jason jennings uh, just it's always fun when you can <laughs> have a stat like that but uh, uh obviously a memorable debut for him you never forget your first game in major league baseball to be able to complete it with a, a home run it's pretty fantastic but it wasn't just that for me i think we saw a lot of who dom nunez is 
as a player. There were a couple of things that uh, the throw out, obviously, that was a big deal. He got the first ever attempted stolen base on him, caught stealing. So runners have yet to take a base against Nunez. But the way he put together his at-bats, going full count a couple of times. He had some pop-ups to the shallow side, but he works the count. He's always been a guy who's worked the count. He's going to see a lot of pitches. That's going to bode well for him. And it also helps that by the time you get to your third or fourth at-bat, you've seen 20 pitches tonight as opposed to just five or six if you're up there hacking away and uh, I think that's going to bode well for him but I thought he looked really poised behind the plate Bud Black after the game made a point of saying that he thought Dom Nunez called a really good game and it's it's tough when the other team has scored nine runs to say how did Dom Nunez call a really good game but uh, if you look at the work that the relievers did, especially with some of the issues that this bullpen has had this season, the way he was able to navigate, you see a sharp difference there. And as Bud Black said after the game, Nunez can't make Hoffman throw the ball in the right spot. When a guy's missing his spots, that's not on the catcher. And Hoffman was missing his spots. But if you go back and look at the sequencing of what he was actually calling, what looks like a good idea, a good pitch to throw, uh, for the most part, he was making really good decisions about that. And people forget that when you're 24 years old and you make your major league debut as a catcher, you don't just have the things that other people have where, oh, yeah, I'm going to get three or four at-bats, and, hey, if the ball gets hit to me, I might have to make a play. It might not even be hit to me. Dom Nunez had to go out there and call 150-some-odd pitches his first night and try to navigate a major league lineup of a team that's still in the hunt a little bit here, a team that's been hitting really well. There's some scary hitters in that lineup, uh, some that have gotten the best of the Rockies pitchers over the years. And after Hoffman came out of the – game dom nunez was able to navigate seven runs uh, or i'm sorry seven innings of two-run baseball out of a bullpen that has not been able to do that for much of the season so i i don't know that other than him having a huge night obviously at the plate you could have asked for much more out of the debut of dom nunez and then the rockies do bounce back on wednesday afternoon with a win it looked like it was not going to be as such for most of the game the diamondbacks get two in the first inning off of kyle freeland who was leaving the ball up a little bit but they were also kind of jumping out at him uh jumping early at pitches he was able to recover put up a bunch of zeros in the middle innings and the rockies were able to tie the game behind that with some creative use of uh their plate appearances i particularly enjoyed that in a season where you know it seems like every time you try to just wait and go well he's not gonna just hit into the double play or pop it up anything other than those two things and we're fine and then of course you get one of those two things so this time they have hampson put down the sack bunt they got a run out of it i like the creativity there uh it's the type of thing that you'd maybe like to see him try a little more often in some of the other games that were maybe a little more meaningful, but still uh, scratching out a couple of runs to get back into it and doing so in some non-traditional ways. Tie game going into the sixth, and then Freeland sort of uh, loses it a bit. Uh, he didn't like the pitch that he uh, gave up the single to, but it was saying after the game that the home run, you know, that he felt, he, he said, I have no idea how that ball got out uh, and it's been a, a season of that uh, for a lot of people throughout baseball I've got a story coming up uh, getting more into this juiced ball stuff and actually taking a, a deeper look at it with the bats as I mentioned earlier so be on the lookout for that but the home run that he gave up to Eduardo Escobar was on a well located pitch a backdoor sliders right where it needed to be low and the guy ended up hitting it well over 400 feet out to the deepest part of the park on a swing that didn't look especially confident so again 
there are just these things that we're seeing this year, and I think that was one of them. But I also think the Rockies got one right back. The, the, you know, people talk about whenever I bring up whether it's juiced balls or umpires or things that are outside of the player's control, people like to say, well, all that stuff balances out. It typically does not. First of all, that's a misnomer. There's no way to know for sure whether it does or does not balance out. And almost certainly it's not going to balance out in the same game. But every once in a while it does. And in this particular case, it not only balanced out in the same game, it balanced out in the very next inning. The Rockies got a couple of singles from Alonso and Ryan Maltapia. Ryan McMahon comes into the game. Slider, I think it was, it was a breaking pitch uh, out away from him that he went and, and I don't think he quite got the barrel to it. He hit it the other way, gets into the first row and left field. Am I going to call it a juiced ball home run? Sure, why not? And the Rockies will obviously take it. There are plenty of those that have gone against them this year, but that was another one where it, it just wasn't really a home run swing and it wasn't really the, the type of contact that used to produce home runs but in this year of 2019 it it very much does that one gets out and with one swing of the bat off the bench on the very first pitch he saw today ryan mcmahon ties the game up showing you again how much more comfortable he hit he is at the plate and, and as a ball player than he was this time uh, a year ago or really at any time uh, a year ago he continues to build on his confidence we've talked a lot about his emergence as a member of the core of this team and that was a big core player moment to come off the bench hit a three-run home run to tie the game and more or less let your pitcher uh, Kyle Freeland off the hook with the season that guy's had it was a really frustrating end for the game uh, for Freeland who at one point like I said was striking guys out got four in a row had very clean middle innings shut it down and if you're looking at a six inning two-run performance for Kyle Freeland you're ecstatic about that you're feeling great about it moving forward as it turned out it ended up being five runs in six, and, and that's going to be super frustrating. But for Ryan McMahon to kind of take the burden of at least the individual game off of him in that one swing, he's got his buddies back there, and that, that's got to release some of the pressure from Freeland, who is going to have to feel responsible for letting this one get away from him. Now the Rockies are back in it. They end up getting the walk off. Uh, and then, of course, uh, another reminder that even the very best uh, reliever that the Rockies have, Scott Oberg, is not perfect. He can't be perfect. Very difficult to be perfect in this game. Uh, I I'm actually, quite frankly, with the way the season has gone, shocked that the Rockies did not lose on that play because that was the exact type of thing that has been what has gotten them all year. Two quick outs out of Oberg. He walks Jake Lamb. And then Cattell Marte hits a ball 68 miles an hour off the bat straight into the air, but it falls in between three defenders in no man's land in center field. And because there were two outs, Lamb was able to run all the way around the bases from first. By the way, another reminder of exactly what Mark was talking about, about the outfielders playing too deep. And we've had this conversation several times, but the ball falls in. They score the go-ahead run, and you thought, that's it. They're going to win on an absolute jam shot without necessarily having executed better baseball. And the Rockies have lost several games this year where they haven't necessarily been beaten, but because of stuff like that. Uh, they've lost plenty of games where they have been beaten. <laughs> let's, let's not pretend like it hasn't gone that way. But Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story bailing them out. Archie Bradley is 
uh, actually been on a good roll of, of late, but he has not been able to get the better of the Rockies seemingly since the 2017 wild card game in which he hit that triple and uh, – basically won the game for the Diamondbacks both on the mound and at the plate which was super frustrating but if you look at his numbers against the Rockies ever since then they've crushed him and this was another one uh, he plunks story uh, Nolan Arenado fires at the first fastball he sees hammers it to left field for his first walk-off since the walk-off cycle on Father's Day uh, a couple of years ago so really you know, a, a nice moment for Nolan, who's had a very rough month with his legs and his feet not being underneath him. He hasn't been healthy, obviously, with the way the team is played. No one's, you know, writing home and saying, hey, we're getting back into it. This is the, the walk-off win that's going to spark the stretch, that's going to make the team go on some run back into the postseason. Look, it, it is what it is for this time of year, but it had to feel good on an individual day. Um, I know even particularly lately, Nolan has struggled in this game. He had an opportunity with the bases loaded. He didn't come through the last couple of months. He's been very unclutch, which is maybe the weirdest thing about this season. If you look at it statistically, Nolan Arenado not having the clutch numbers over the last couple of months has been really, really bizarre because he's been so clutch throughout his career. Did the thing today, again, pops up on the infield with the bases loaded, a chance to really swing the game in favor of his team. But ultimately, when it finally came down to it, he did what he's done best throughout his career. And the most important play of the game, he came out on top with the home run, his 27th of the year. Rockies get the win. Um, they, they are playing spoilers for the most part at this point. Uh, that had to be a frustrating loss for the Diamondbacks, to be sure, especially after taking the lead there in the ninth and really holding the lead for most of the game. There was a little bit of uh, retribution in this one where the Rockies had uh, the other night a game where they were holding the lead for most of it until McGee and Chad Bettis came in after Lambert had done so well. So this one kind of goes the other way, a bit of strange baseball karma for everybody involved. But there you have it. Uh, and oh, and, and I, I did want to point out before I sign off another nice job for Jairo Diaz and the fourth consecutive scoreless performance. In fact, he's four for four in scoreless performances is Wade Davis since being moved out of the closers role. Another thing to look at uh, as we move forward, whether you're interested in Davis returning next year to the Colorado Rockies as maybe the closer, or maybe he can excel in a setup role, which is it looks like what he's going to have today. Uh, these days, he, he, he pitched in the eighth and if he's going to be able to handle that role better. Uh, but if, even if you want him gone, the best possible thing the, for you, if you want the Rockies to try to trade uh, or part ways, uh, they're not going to pay him $17 million to go away. They're going to trade him for something. But even if that's what you want, the best thing to hope for is to keep sending him out there and have him pitch, have him pitch well, build up some value by the end of the season so the Rockies can maybe get a little something for him. And if uh, having moved him out of those higher pressure situations is going to make that even more likely, which it looks like at least for now it's having the intended result, then that's good news there. Again, it's too little too late to save the season. You know, if Wade Davis had been pitching like this, if he could have had f four scoreless outings in that stretch with San Diego and, and, you know, some of these other games, that would have made much more of a difference for sure. But, uh, again, I'll, I'll use the phrase it is what it is and say – that the, it's still better for him to go out there and do that than not could be interesting for the Rockies to to try to build on some of his momentum in these final uh, several weeks of the season. But there you have it, uh, a win for the Colorado Rockies over the Arizona Diamondbacks, showing you once again that when they play the game just 
the right way. They they don't make any you know defensive mistakes. The Diamondbacks made several, committed four errors in the game. Uh, Rockies didn't make any defensive mistakes, put their bats together, and and won the game. But <laughs> just another frustrating reminder that when they do it right, they can beat just about anybody. Um, not that the Diamondbacks are world beaters right now, but we've seen that. Uh, there, there is just a, a long way to go for a couple of these issues. But again, in these last couple of days, I think we've seen a lot of the bright spots for these young guys, uh, the future of the team. Another couple of hits today for Rymal Tapia, who continues to look more and more like a major leaguer every day. McMahon doing his thing. We saw what Dom Nunez has got, and I think we're seeing positive. It's slow and steady progression for Kyle Freeland. Uh, I know everyone would love to see him magically back to the pitcher he was a year ago. But it's going to take time. It's going to take moving forward. And it may not always seem like if you look at the stat line, six and five, you, you might not say, oh, where, how did he take a step forward? But you got to take a look at each individual pitch, the quality of pitches that he threw today. And really, I'd say for his last, including this one now, five starts, uh, he, his quality of pitching has been much, much better, which suggests to me he's just a few more tweaks away from getting it together, probably in, in the offseason in anticipation of a strong 2020 campaign. Um, all right, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you all so much for listening in today. Make sure you're following us on social media at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using. Make sure you've subscribed to bsndenver.com so you don't miss out on my story about the strike zone and my conversation with Bud Black about that or all of this stuff about the juiced balls and the juiced bats. That's right. So make sure you've subscribed. If you already have, head over to bsndenvermerch.com. Get yourself a T-shirt so that you can continue to be awesome. I will continue to be Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Strava Craft Coffee offers CBD-rich, hemp-oil-infused coffees. This 5280 Editor's Choice for Top Coffee Roaster is an essential part of the day, helping you wake up, fuel up, and achieve your goals. It gets me up, it gets me going. I, I'm like, I'm becoming pretty, pretty caffeine-like uh, tolerant. So they're stronger, like, so it actually wakes me up and gets me going. Get a bag of this award-winning coffee at StravaCraftCoffee.com.